You're listening to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the world's leading therapists with Dr. Susan Spicer and myself, Damian Mark Smith, as we delve into the world of all kinds of effective therapies with fascinating and challenging cases, plus marketing tips and what's really working in mental health right now. Hello and welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of therapists and coaches from around the world. And today, all the way from Maryland in the US of A, who've just had their wonderful celebrations that we don't partake in in the United Kingdom. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Um, we have Jackie Linnett, who is a clinical social worker practicing therapy in Maryland. Now, she is a trauma-focused therapist who uses EMDR, CBT, and motivational, motivational, I'll say that in again, motivational interviewing techniques to help her clients build strengths and address the way their history impacts their current life. She has worked with clients from all over the, uh, from all walks of life, but tends to focus on teens and I'm assuming young adults and works regularly with members of the LGBTQIA plus community. It's becoming harder to say that. Yes. <laughs> so Jackie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, uh, early Monday morning for me. So, oh, it is. Yes, week. Yeah, <laughs> bring some energy to this uh, early Monday morning, which has been um, absolutely. I literally, just said today in the UK that uh, Cyber Monday on this Monday is for some reason one of the most depressing Mondays of the year. I don't know why that <laughs> is, but oh, never mind. But we're we're going to bring some energy to this now. So, just give us a little bit of a background as how you've kind of not only how you've actually come to do the, the therapy that you're doing now, but also that you're, you know, the, the people that you're working with. So give us a little bit of a background behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So I do primarily individual therapy um, with a little bit of family therapy when it supports my clients. Um, so I kind of fell into the niche that I'm in by accident. Um, so trauma therapy is something that's always interested me. And as I got deeper into the field I kind of saw how much it impacts everything and I wanted to learn more and I wanted to focus more um and you know I have my own personal experiences um with mental illness and trauma so you know that all kind of informed going into this section of the field um and really focusing in on um the population of people who I feel like are neglected in a way um Working with the LGBTQIA plus community is not something, again, that I really looked for, um, but I, uh, being a member myself, um, has helped me to kind of relate to the community, and I found myself getting more and more cases where I was specifically working with trans youth, um, and I found that I really liked being able to support that specific community, um, because again, and it's not um, a community that gets enough support, especially here in the United States. Um, we're not doing such a great job of supporting that community. And so playing a role in being a positive influence there is really important to me. And I'd imagine that your workload is just increasing by the by, by the week then. because uh... <laughs> Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have my own um uh, experience of that my 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 uh, sister transitioned from being my brother uh fairly recently actually so you know in sort of early 50s 
Um, and it's a, it's a whole new world kind of opened opened up to me uh, around that. And actually, she is she's doing quite a lot for trans rights in Australia, because uh, as you can imagine, it's uh, not necessarily the 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 most popular <laughs> uh, thing over there. So um, and also uh, as a, she's a playwright as well. So she's writing plays about it as well. Uh, which oh, that's are, awesome. Really powerful. Um, so, OK, so what type of. Um, so just let's use some hypotheticals here and, and obviously no identifying features or or um, stats at all. But give us some examples of some of different kind of cases you've been working with and uh, and how they've actually gone for you. Absolutely. Um, so a case that comes to mind um, in terms of like a something that I've worked in the past. I actually have a client that I met when they were still actively in an abusive situation, um, an abusive marriage. And so getting to work with them as they made the decision to leave the marriage, and then um, as they've continued to kind of grow and change and develop who they are outside of an abusive situation has truly been a privilege. Um, and I think it's a great example of, you know, what it looks like to do trauma therapy, because I not only engaged with her after the trauma but really during it um and again I got to be a support for her and in a time where she really definitely needed it um and seeing her now um the growth that she's made and like her ability to find her own voice has been absolutely amazing um one of the things that I've I've told her actually is, you know, when I first met her, she very often would whisper um, when we would talk. And now she speaks with her full body um, and openly. And, you know, I can really tell um, she's much more comfortable with who she is and, you know, really built a lot of self-esteem, um, you know, after leaving a marriage that was very abusive. And was that predominantly using EMDR? Um, no. So EMDR is a great practice, um, but I actually met this client before I started practicing EMDR. Um, and um, it's sometimes difficult to do EMDR outside of an office setting. It is definitely possible, um, but I've worked with a lot of people who um, have state insurance, um, which basically means they come from a background of poverty. Um, and the difficulty of working with people in that situation is very often they don't have childcare. Uh, there are other people in the home. Um, and so it creates some difficulty in creating privacy and like the safe space that's absolutely required to engage in EMDR. Okay. And just for anyone who doesn't know what motivational interviewing techniques are, do you want to just give us a bit of a background? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I can give you a background on EMDR as well. Um, so motivational interviewing techniques are um, sort of person-centered and allowing a person to answer questions, to really come to conclusions themselves and not necessarily asking leading questions or asking questions um, that head in any particular direction, um, which kind of goes with my style as someone who's very person-centered, um, kind of meeting my approach with each individual client's needs. Um, 
the EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Um, so that's a specific type of therapy that combines some um, form of stimuli that engages both sides of the brain, um, which allows for reprocessing of really difficult memories. Uh, so at the end of a reprocessing session, the hope is that a client will no longer experience distress, either physically or emotionally, when they think back to that memory. Um, and again, it, it can be a very powerful experience, um, you know, kind of seeing the shift in the way a person is thinking in that moment. Lovely. Thanks for that. So just give some examples of some uh, cases that maybe were really tricky and didn't go so well, but crucially what you learned from it. And then also pot potentially an unusual or fascinating case. Yeah, sure. Um, so cases that didn't go so well, I think sometimes um, because I do present myself as an EMDR trained therapist, I do get clients seeking out EMDR specifically. Um, and it can be particularly difficult when a client doesn't seem ready or able to engage in EMDR, but they really, really want to. Um, you know, I've worked with young people whose parents were very much a, a force behind like them wanting to engage in EMDR. And the expectation is sort of this will fix my child or this will make it better. And, you know, unfortunately, it is a process that does take a lot of patience and time. Um, and it can't, you know, in my opinion, be forced until someone is truly ready to do it. Um, so it sometimes becomes difficult to manage the expectations of clients and particularly parents. I would say that's one of the hardest parts of working with teenagers. And what about a case that was really fascinating or unusual? Sure. Um, hmm. So I have experience in my background of working um, in an inpatient psychiatric hospital. Um, it was maximum security. So um, that was back during my internship. Um, so I got to engage in therapy in that setting um, or provide therapy um, in that setting. And that was very interesting because there's sort of an interplay between drug use and mental health um, in that setting and sort of being in the position, obviously I was not prescribing medication, I'm not a doctor, but sort of determining whether symptoms were under control, like specifically psychotic symptoms were under control because of medication or because a person was experiencing those psychotic symptoms because of use of drugs um, and kind of being a part of that process and helping a client to adjust to what it is to have a serious mental illness like schizophrenia and sort of figure out what it changes within their identity and um, kind of to recover from doing something that's potentially very upsetting because uh, the people that I was working with in that setting had committed pretty, um, pretty violent crimes for the most part. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and it's, um, it is a very interesting kind of debate to talk about. I, I did a, a post recently about the parity of esteem and about how mental, mental and physical health are basically one and the same thing. Yeah. Um, but especially in that sort of setting, you know, when you when you talk about the the connection between um, stimulants and you know mental health, and you know where where is that perfect storm mm -hmm. of almost you know that creating. Um, uh, those conditions, but also the perfect storm of recovery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it works both ways. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, there's a lot of stigma around taking medication, but very yeah. often it's a necessary component, particularly for trauma therapy. Yeah. Um, 
again, not a doctor, but, you know, when we have symptoms that are so severe that they're just constantly in a fight or flight state, um, it's necessary to have a component of medication to help calm that down in order to really truly do the work to help a person process through what they've experienced. Absolutely. Now, talking about mental health, how do you look after your own mental health? (laughs) Absolutely. So I personally go to therapy. Um, I would definitely recommend anyone who is in therapy um, to ask their therapist if they're in therapy or if they've ever been in therapy. Um, I very much believe that we shouldn't be selling a product if we're not willing to buy it ourselves. Um, Absolutely. It also helps a lot with, you know, processing the stuff that goes on within my own life and the stress that kind of comes along with being a therapist myself. Um, I also really enjoy spending time outside. Um, I have a, a particular infinity or affinity for hiking. Um, I spend a lot of time in the woods whenever possible. Um, I also have pretty strong boundaries with my clients. So I have certain hours that I work Um, And I won't respond to messaging outside of that time. Um, And I, you know, have certain days that I do not work. And that kind of creates this forced time where I have to spend time with myself and and take care of myself. I love that. It's great. You know, we're really pushing for, uh, I think, therapy to be like going to the gym. Yeah, (laughs) We take care of ourselves. We we get exercise. We take care of our mental health. we, We get help. You know, we we talk to people, we we get we get listened to. I think that'd be uh, that's going to change the world of mental health forever if we can if we can push that. Um, what has been in your in your own practice? What's been your most successful marketing technique? So this question actually, you know, was a little bit harder for me to answer because I personally haven't done a lot uh, in terms of marketing. Uh, But the things that I found to be particularly successful is I work for a relatively small practice within a very small or relatively small community. And so the word of mouth has really made quite a big difference in terms of building trust within the community because, you know, we get a ton of referrals from friends and family of previous clients. Um, I think also um, having marketable skills. Um, So I am EMDR trained and I am certified in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, And both of those things kind of tend towards people seeking out uh, me in particular because I can address trauma, um, especially as certain types of therapy kind of go in vogue and and others go out. You know, right now, I think EMDR and TFCBT are very popular in terms of marketable skills. Um, And then also just having a positive relationship with other professionals in the community. You know, I talk regularly with doctors and Um, primary care physicians uh, within the community that kind of lead them to recommend to me specifically because they know who I am as a person and so they can match their clients with me. Love that and let's talk about books for a minute so if you could write a book what would the title be if you are writing a book what is the title going to be if you have written a book what was the title? (laughs) See I I love this question um, but I have trouble with the idea of a title Um, so I will tell you a book that I have been floating for a couple of years now Um, it's very much still in its infancy um, but I have uh, been working on a book that's focused on sexual trauma in particular 
um, sort of an intermingling of personal experiences and professional opinions and research um, about the impact of different experiences in a sexual setting and the idea of consent and how that impacts um, people into their adulthood. Um, so in terms of what I'd call it, I'm not sure. Um, as of right now, the document is titled The Number of Partners I've Had. So <laughs> that probably won't stick around for the title, um, but that's as far as I've gotten so far. Well, please, please, please continue going down that route, you know, trying to finish that book, because I think there's people out there maybe listening to this right now going, oh, I definitely need to read that book. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's such an important uh, kind of sector, especially Again, you know, I'm from the U.S., so I can't help but pull from U.S. politics and our culture around consent and, you know, the way that we treat sexual violence here is not um, ideal. So I think it is a really important topic. Yeah, absolutely. So on the subject of books, what is your favorite therapy book and why? So my favorite therapy book was is actually um, called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. Um, so that's by Dr. Bruce Perry and Maya Shalovitz. So that book is focused on um, the experience of a um, child psychiatrist. I believe he's a psychiatrist. Um, he might be a psychologist, um, but he is focused on helping different children through different uh, types of trauma, some really severe trauma cases. Um, he's worked with people who are coming from like a cult situation um, and people who experienced like serious neglect and abuse. Um, so that was the first time I really understood the impact of trauma. I read that pretty early on in my education and kind of it very much opened my eyes to how important of a topic it is and how much it can affect into adulthood to have experienced traumatic things as a child. That's brilliant. Yeah. And we'll, we'll add that, uh, the link to that in the show notes, by the way. Uh, okay. What's your favorite non-therapy book and why? Um, so my favorite non-therapy book is probably the Outlander series. Um, so it is adapted for TV now. I have not watched the show. I watched the beginning of the first season. Didn't love it because I didn't think it was true to the characters. Um, but the reason that I really love that series, um, the author, Diana Gabaldon, um, she does an immense amount of research and she does an incredible job with creating such a relationship with the different um, characters that you really kind of come to care about them quite a bit and you you know want to know what happens to them and so she's kept me engaged through a lot of very long books love that well again we'll put that in the show notes as well now what's your top tip in the world of mental health right now there are so many um but i would say probably just the idea of like progress, not perfection. Um, that's one of my favorite um, affirmations. Um, I think that we need to be nice to ourselves and like sort of allow the grace to make mistakes and to make progress. I think very often in the moment we are doing the best that we can with the tools we have for that moment in time. And we always have more information in retrospect. And so we kind of look backwards and are very harsh on ourselves. Uh, and that carries over to our future action because we have this idea of needing to be perfect at all times and it's just not possible and so letting go of that is I think so freeing and again allowing ourselves the grace and forgiveness to make mistakes and be okay with it afterward is so important. I love that progress not perfection that's brilliant uh, thank you for that now crucially to win a therapist a millions exclusive t-shirt 
Uh, tell us a fact that blows our mind or tell us a joke that's one of a kind. So my sense of humor is kind of dry, so I didn't think it would translate super well. Um, so I actually went with a fact for this. Um, so back in 2018, I um, did a long distance hike. Um, it took me about five and a half months. Um, I hiked from Maine wow. to Georgia on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, so that's around um, 2,191 miles. Um that same year that I did it in five and a half months, um, the record was broken by um, Carol Saab. I might be mispronouncing that, um, but he did it in 41 days, seven hours and 39 minutes, which is an average of about 53 miles a day, wow. uh, which is just absolutely insane to me. That's incredible. That, well, that's definitely blown our minds. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Can we just ask that you uh, you model the T-shirt for us and send us a picture? Doing yeah, your favorite thing to, to help I, you with your own mental health. There you go. While you're hiking, would, that would be even better. I would love to. <laughs> and finally, uh, how can people get hold of you, Jacqueline? Yeah, um, so I have provided two different emails. Um, so I work in um, one private pay setting, so that's a step forward counseling. Um, so the email there is um, jlinot, um, so my first initial and last name dot asfcounseling at gmail.com. Um, I also work with state insurance um, through the state of Maryland um, and I can be contacted there with um, Jackie at bewelltherapygroup.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and the Monday morning to, <laughs> uh, to share your uh, experience with us. And we really yeah. appreciate everything you're doing on the front lines of mental health and please keep being awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I thank you so much for having me on. It's been, you know, an absolute pleasure. Our oh, pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. And please, if you're out there and you uh, would like to take part in the show, uh, feel free to drop uh, us an email info at therapistamillions.com and uh, send us a quick bio. Let us know who, who you are, what you're doing and what you're doing on the front lines. And you might get a chance to win an exclusive Therapist of Millions t-shirt, apart from anything else. Um, and we're also collating the list of uh, the favorite uh, therapy and non-therapy books uh, in the in our library, which we'll be sharing on our free resource, our free membership resource, therapistofmillions.com. Sign up for free. It's absolutely free. We'll never charge you for it. So uh, please do so there. Thank you so much once again, and we'll speak to you soon. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Therapist of Millions podcast, may we invite you to check out our free for life Therapist of Millions online membership course for therapists and coaches who want to grow their business without trading more time for dollars. We've created the world's premier digital marketing resource exclusively for therapists and it's yours for free for life. Just head over to therapisttomillions.com and sign up now.